Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews and chapter number 11. Hebrews is towards the back of your Bible. If you were to open up towards the back, Revelation, then you would come to Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, and then the book of Hebrews. So the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. Yes, we are still in our series of the book of Judges, but we're taking a pit stop and looking at the book of Hebrews to give a New Testament interpretation of an Old Testament passage and an important thing that God places the emphasis. Whenever we study the Bible, sometimes we end up majoring on the minoring, minor and minoring on the major. What do we mean by that? That sometimes people make a big deal of things that God puts small emphasis in. However, there are certain things throughout the Word of God that God places an emphasis in. And He brings attention back to a certain subject or a topic over and over and over, and it is always for a reason. It is always with purpose. So if you don't mind, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Hebrews in chapter number 11, and we're going to start in verse number 22. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, and verse 22, the Word of God says this, By faith, Joseph... When he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase here? And then as we see it throughout these passages, we'll look at talking about his bones. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach a message highlighting Joseph's bones. Joseph's bones. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you and as we open up the scriptures, I'm asking that you would be an encouragement to your folks today. That this would be a great encouragement of faith and to see the responsibility we have to take what we've been giving and giving it to the next generation. That we can see the great picture of what you plan on doing and that we have faith. And that we could put our trust in you to keep your word and do what you said you were going to do even to us. Lord, even now as I approach this, I don't want to preach this in my own self, in my own knowledge, in my own way. I best, the best I know how, I surrender all of that to you. And I surrender and I relax inside of your will. And ask that you fill me with your precious spirit. That you would encourage and work in your own people's lives today through your precious word. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, this is what we usually call the Hall of Faith chapter. That by faith, Adam. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, Moses. And it goes through and it gives over and over different people who by faith they did an action. By faith they did something for the Lord. 
And it's interesting that when you look through Joseph's life and you could see the different things that occurred in Joseph's life. Remember, Joseph was an Old Testament character found in the book of Genesis. And he's one of the few characters that nothing bad was ever mentioned about his life. There is no recorded sins of Joseph. But Joseph, he was the dreamer. He was number 11 out of 12 boys, and he was daddy's favorite. But he always had something instilled in him that there was something by faith. He would have dreams about the sun and the moon and the stars all worshiping his star or bowing down and giving uh, reverence to it. And his his uh, brothers would laugh and there's the dreamer and they would look at his life. And it's amazing that in Joseph's life, he was only at home for 17 years. Most commentators, as they look at Joseph's life, that outside of his immediate family, Joseph never met another believer. He went through his entire life never meeting anyone who believed like he did. But yet, he still had such a strong faith. Don't you remember the stories that he was sold into slavery by his brothers? They were originally going to kill him, so I guess that was a step up. But they, they sold him into slavery. He was sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. And under Joseph, he was given everything in Potiphar's house. He became the steward. And as long as Joseph was there, Potiphar was blessed. But Potiphar's wife kept eyeing Joseph and... Finally, she made her move and he kept running every time she came, refused to be in the same room alone with her. And one time she caught him and she said, let's do this. And she, he said, I cannot. And she grabbed a hold of his coat and he just took off his coat and took off. He just ran from her and she was left holding that. Well, finally being spurned that one last time, she lied and and said that he tried to force her. And that wasn't true. But Potiphar, in defense of his wife, threw Joseph in prison for no reason. And he stood rotting in prison. The Bible talks about in the book of Psalms that his, his feet were bruised because of the fetters, the chains that were held to him. He was thrown into a prison. No family, no church, no encouragement, no other believers thrown into a prison and left there to rot. But he was still the dreamer. You know, even though he's in prison, he still never got bitter, never got angry with God, kept looking up towards the Lord the whole time, still lived his life by faith. And one day, the butler and the baker were thrown into prison. And both of them had dreams, and Joseph interpreted their dreams, and everything happened just like it said. Then later on, Pharaoh had some dreams. And they fetched Joseph out of prison and he interpreted them and explained that there's seven years of good times. But then after that, seven years of famine and now's the time to prepare. And because of that, that God had set things in order and gave Joseph wisdom that Joseph went from the prison to second in command of all of Egypt. And you know what? He lived in Egypt as second command. He lived all of his life still never meeting another Christian. 
You think about that story and you think about how finally Joseph's brothers came. They were starving and they they wanted to come to Egypt because they heard Egypt had food. And Joseph met his brothers and there was a reunion after certain events happened. And next thing you know, they moved up his dad and his brothers and they all moved to Egypt and they lived there. And you think of the stories. Think about the faith that Joseph had, that Joseph had faith not to get bitter in prison. Joseph had faith not to get bitter with his brothers. Joseph had faith to keep looking at God and trust him even when the impossible was there. But as we come to the Hall of Faith chapter and the book of Hebrews chapter 11, what part do you think is mentioned about Joseph's faith and the action that he took? Well, it wasn't what he did in life. It's what he did in death that showed a true faith. Notice again in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, he died at 110 years old, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. You see, when it comes to the hall of faith, God didn't highlight Joseph's life. It highlighted Joseph's death that because he lived a life of faith, he was able to have a death of faith, that he was able to have faith even in his death. Now, what is this about his bones? Why is the Bible highlighting all these years afterwards? Genesis happened way back in the past. Now, here's Hebrews written in the New Testament times. It's recording something that's about 17 a hundred years in the past. Why is it highlighting Joseph's bones? Well, if you don't mind, let us go back to the Old Testament and let's see why the Bible is highlighting Joseph's bones. Let's go to the book of beginnings, the book of Joseph, uh, Genesis, the book of Genesis in chapter number 50. The last chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis in chapter number 50 Joseph is preparing to die in Genesis 50. He's already second in command of Egypt. And let's look. His father just died. His brothers are fearing the worst. They're afraid that Joseph was just waiting for dad to die. And now Joseph's finally going to get his revenge for putting him in slavery all those years ago. But notice with me in Genesis chapter 50. And let's look in verse 15. Genesis 50 and verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and certainly will requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of, thy ser- of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went down and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it was this day, to save much people. Now we're going to continue on, but the first thing I want to hit here as we examine this passage is dying in a strange land. Dying in a strange land. 
Now, after Joseph's father died, the brethren quickly said, you know, before dad died, he told us that you're supposed to forgive us. So please forgive us, forgive us. And as they're asking Joseph for forgiveness, he's weeping and he's crying. Why is he weeping and crying? Because he had forgiven them such a long time ago. It already been in the past and it's breaking his heart that that they don't realize that they're forgiven and they're free and clear. He's not going to do anything to them. In fact, he replies and says, am I in the place of God? Hey, it's God's business to take care of whatever happened for me. It's done and over with. He says, moreover, verse 20, uh, Genesis 50, 20 is Romans uh, 8, uh, 8, 28 of the Old Testament. It says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That everything may not be good, but everything works together for good. God puts it into, into action. And uh, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, that's exactly what God is sa- uh, Joseph is saying. He says, you meant something for evil. You sold me into slavery. But do you know that God had a plan in it? That God is able to use human mistakes to get his will accomplished? He says, if you didn't sell me into slavery, I wouldn't be able to make or be second command to advise Pharaoh to save all this food. Now look at how many lives are saved when this famine came because you sold me into slavery. You thought it was evil, but God is able to use our human mistakes and still get his will accomplished. He's that powerful of a God. He's that great of a God that he's able to use some of the worst things that ever happened in your life and turn them to be the very best things that ever could have happened. God is able to do that. He's that good of a God. So that's why he's he's explaining to his brothers, you're already forgiven. God had a plan. You know what Joseph is saying? He says, I never looked at how bad I was treated. I looked at my good God and realized he knew what he was doing the whole time. Just keep looking at God. Just keep looking at him. Joseph lived his life by faith. Now notice in verse 21. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. He says, don't worry. I'm still going to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of your kids and grandkids. I'm going to make sure they're all taken care of. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children and the third of the third generation and the children also of Makar, the son of Manasseh, were brought upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, at the time that Joseph died, 
He's now in Egypt. He knows that Egypt is not the promised land. That God promised a land to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And this land was in the Canaan land. It was in the promised land. By the way, it's the same land that we're studying in, in the period of Joshua. That they crossed the Jordan River and went in there. That's the land God promised him, not Egypt. But Joseph's in Egypt. So what he does is he makes the people make him a promise. He says, I'm going to die soon. But I want you to take my bones, and when you go to the promised land, just like God promised you, you take my bones and bury my bones in that promised land. God is going to carry out his promise. God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And I want you to take my bones. When God carries that promise, you take my bones. I'm looking forward to that promised land. I'm looking forward to seeing what God was going to do. You know, the last thing we have the privilege to do for God is to die right. That's the last thing we have the privilege to do for the Lord, is to die right. We can trust God's promises right to the end. You know, you could live your whole life by faith, but you also want to finish right. There's a lot of people who may start right, but you need to finish right. You need to live your whole life consistently looking unto the Lord so that even when you die, you can look up to him and say, I'm trusting him. He made me a promise. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I could keep trusting in him. I could keep looking to see what God's going to do. That's the great privilege that we have. Joseph, he's dying in a strange land, meaning a land that didn't belong to him. That's not the land God promised him. But even in his death, he could still say, God made a promise. We're going to the promised land. We're going to the promised land. Which brings me to my second thing. Not only dying in a strange land, but we want to show you the departing from Egypt. The departing from Egypt. Now, Joseph had made mention of his bones. Now, at this time, there is no written revelation of God. Meaning, there is no scripture that is penned. That's important to note here. So it wasn't like Joseph said, please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis in chapter 15. And let me show you the promises that God made to Abraham. What they did is they had an oral tradition. They had, they had to carry the word of God and explain that the Genesis account. They had to explain to their kids and their grandkids what happened to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And he said, we don't have a written revelation. I can't do this. But you know what Joseph's bones Turn to a physical reminder of God's promises to the people. His bones ended up being a message to the people that God made them a promise. Don't forget the promise. Don't forget the promise. Don't forget the promise. What is the promise? Well, we're in Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. And let's look at the promise that God made to Abraham. Genesis 15. What is this promise that Joseph was looking at in the first place? Genesis chapter 15. And notice with me in Genesis 15 and verse 13. Genesis 15 and verse 13. 
And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, God is making a specific promise. He's already told them, Abraham, I'm giving you the land. But he's telling Abraham a prophecy. Did you know that the Bible, one third of it is prophecy, and most of it is fulfilled? Only a small portion of prophecies is not fulfilled. By the way, that's why you should be very careful when you listen to Yahoo's on radio and TV talk about prophecy, because a lot of times they're very off kilter. Most of the prophecies have been fulfilled. Only a small amount we're still waiting for. But this is a prophecy that was given to Abraham and said, Abraham, this is the this is the land I'm giving you. But let me tell you, Abraham, what's going to happen is that your people are going to go into a strange land and they're going to serve that strange land for a while. They're going to be their servants. They're going to be slaves there. They're going to work, verse 14. And also that nation uh, whom they shall serve will I judge. And by the way, God judged Egypt when they came out of it. He literally destroyed the land. He destroyed their worship. He destroyed their crops. He destroyed the next generation by killing the firstborn. He destroyed and leveled Egypt. He destroyed it, just like he said. But notice this. And afterward, they shall come with great substance. You remember at the end of the Exodus, or in the middle of Exodus, after the plagues, the people of Egypt gave them money. Here's money. Get out of Egypt. Please go. God made that promise Many years ago that he made that he's telling Abraham, this is what's going to happen. I promise you this land right now, but your inhabit your seeds not going to get it yet. They're going to go to a strange land. They're going to be put in slaves. They're going to be afflicted, but I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to judge it. And the people are going to pay them to get out of there. Can you imagine paying slaves all that you have to get out to go? That's what he did. God's a great God. He knew what he was doing. And thou shalt go in peace to thy uh, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in good old age. But in the fourth generation, they your seed shall come again hither, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not full. Now I want you to show you something in the in verse number thirteen. Notice again, verse 13. And he said unto Abraham, Know for a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. You know how long God meant when he said four hundred years? Four hundred years. So God said, all right, here's the calendar. Here's what it is. They're going to be in that land for four hundred years. When Joseph died... He looked on his calendar and said, 400 years is not up. God made a promise. We still got 200 years to go. I want them to keep my bones for 200 years to pass them down. Someone to caretake them until 200 years from the time I die to go back into the land and to bury my bones. 
You see, those bones were there to remind the people, God made you a promise. God made you a promise. God made you a promise. And he's going to fulfill that promise. You see, even in death, he was living by faith and encouraged others to live by faith. To show this faith of the promise, he said, take my bones and you take care of them. And then you teach someone else to take care of them. And they take someone else and take care of them. And they take that and take care of them. That his bones were to preach a message. So we started off by dying in a strange land. Then we see this idea of departing from Egypt. That God made a promise. And that, this, that his bones were to serve as a message of what's to occur. The third thing I would like to show you is the depositing of his bones. The depositing of his bones. Look with me in the book of Exodus in chapter number 13. Exodus in chapter 13. If you're familiar with the Bible, Exodus 13 is when they're getting ready to leave Egypt. Pharaoh says, just leave, get, go, get out of here. And as in the midst of the hubbub, in the midst of everyone getting ready to leave and packing up and everyone gathering their stuff, Egypt is in ruins. The firstborn of every uh, person inside of um, Egypt is dead. But notice with me in Exodus 13 and verse 19. In the midst of all the chaos, Moses remembered the message. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 19, it says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and carry you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. You know, Moses remembered the promise. He remembered that there was something to this, that he was to carry and make sure that Joseph's bones that were preaching a message were to be deposited because Joseph had, was trying to tell everyone else, God had made you a promise, and he's going to fulfill that promise. And they had to take responsibility for it. Imagine this. 200 years. Someone was tasked. They had the responsibility. Of taking care of those bones. To make sure. That they were didn't get out. That no one played with them. Hey what's in this box? You know. Or, uh, they had to make sure that they didn't lose them. They were tasked. With this serious responsibility. But not only that they had to carry those bones. But they also had to train the next generation. That this was a serious thing. This was something you didn't want to lose. This is something important. This is why we're keeping it. This is the message that's going on. This is what Joseph told us. That he said that we're getting out of this land. That he's got something for us. For 200 years. His bones were taken care of. And passed on to the next generation. And that was taken care of. And passed on to the next generation. And taken care of. And passed on the next generation. Do you understand that we also have that same responsibility. Of taking God's word. And his, his message. His doctrine. And to teach it to the next generation. Do you know that it only took one generation to say it's not that important. And Joseph's bones would have been lost. It only takes one generation for us to say the Bible's not that important and for the next generation not to receive the importance of doctrine. 
The Bible talks about in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 that it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So it's talking about the first century church. That they continued steadfastly without wavering the apostles' doctrine. Well, it's talking about the disciples. The disciples, where did they get their doctrine? From the apostles. Where did the apostles get their doctrine from? From Jesus. Jesus taught the apostles. The apostles taught the disciples. The disciples taught the next disciples. That's how doctrine is passed on. That they have to carry it from one generation to another. We see in in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul is speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, the very same thing, commit thou to faithful men who shall teach others also. We see there we have four generations. Paul taught a Timothy. A Timothy taught faithful men. And the faithful men are to teach others also. That is our responsibility. We are to take what we've been taught and to teach it to someone else. That is faith. That is the responsibility that we have. And if we fail to do that, the message of faith gets lost. It gets watered down. It gets disappeared. What would happen if someone was passed and they had Joseph's bones and they said, eh, let's play with this and here's a here and let this bone slowly just kind of disseminate and lose. You know, you, you know your game closet, that your game closet when you bought it, the game had all the pieces. But after a couple of years, you have half the game left because it just slowly get, disseminates. You can't do that with Joseph's bones. There was an importance to it. By the way, you can't do that with the word of God either. You have to keep the same commit thou to faithful men. Not something that's almost the same. Things that are different are not the same. The very same thing. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Means it didn't change. You know, the very same thing that the disciples were taught was the same exact thing Jesus taught. By the way, we trace that same line of doctrine from Jesus to us today. The very same thing we believe as Baptistic people is the very same thing that Jesus taught. It didn't waver. It didn't fall apart. We didn't lose anything. The very same thing is what we have been given to today. And we are expected to give to the next generation. That's what Joseph's bones. It shows us this importance. That they had this sacred trust. With carrying this message. To the next generation. And then to the next generation. And by the way. It is a very serious thing for us as well. Notice with me. As we wrap this up. The book of, jo uh, the book of Joshua chapter 24. Where we have ended up in our series studying Joshua, going to the book of Judges, Joshua 24. In Joshua 24, we saw that big speech that Joshua gave and delivered that God's message, telling them that choose this day whom you're going to serve, whether it be God or someone else, but choose, get off the fence, choose. Then after that, Joshua dies at 110 years old. He, um, in fact, let's just go ahead and read the context sake. Verse 29, Joshua 24 and verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timoth uh, Sarea, which is in Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gaish. 
And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, which had known the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem. Remember Shechem? It was the, the city that was in between the, the mounts of cursing and blessing. He says they buried him in Shechem. In the parcel of ground which Jacob, the father of Joseph, bought from the sons of Amor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the ch children of Joseph. So here he died. And they kept their sacred trust. That day that they finally were able to bury Joseph's bones. Not anywhere. But in the inheritance that Joseph and his family get, were given. As God had promised them. And they dropped the, and they buried. And they probably had a big ceremony. That this was fulfilled. This whole thing was a picture that God made a promise. And he was going to fulfill that promise. You know, there's something else that Joseph's bones, why keep his bones? Why, why keep his bones in the first place? Why was it a big deal that his bones were kept? Because Joseph's bones still speak today. You know what they speak of? It speaks of a faith and a resurrection. That there's one day that we will receive a brand new body and we will live with God eternally. You know, this was all a, a faith that God said going to do what he said he was going to do. And for us, we get to look forward to God's promises. That God promised us that if we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that not only would he forgive us of all of our sins, but one day we're going to get a brand new body. And we are going to live with God eternally. We get to look forward to that. You see, when you die, it is not over. By the way, when Joseph died, it was not over. He didn't just become plant food. He just didn't become worm food. It wasn't just some bones that carried around. But Joseph was alive and is alive somewhere right now. He's with God right now. And he is still looking forward to the day of the resurrection day. When he gets his brand new body. And we can look forward to that as well. We can look forward to the God carrying out the promises. He promised to you. And he promised to me. You see this is an encouraging thing for us. That God is going to do what he said he was going to do. We get to look forward to God carrying out his promises. Joseph's bones, as you probably read it, well, here's four references to Joseph's bones in Hebrews, in the book of Genesis, in the book of Exodus, in the book of Joshua. And normally, dear friend, we probably all just kind of read over it and just didn't register. But God put them in these four parts passages because they speak an important message. And in the book of Hebrews, God says, you want to highlight the one thing of faith? If you just pick out one thing of faith in Joseph's life, it wasn't his life. It was his death that carried a big message. That Joseph believed in God, that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Dear friend, is that the type of faith that you have in your life? Do you believe that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. 
That's the faith life. Just taking God at his word. Believing in his promises. Believing that there's a God who is able and will keep his word. The privilege that we have is that we don't have to rely on old bones. We have God's promises right here. And we can look at them for ourselves. And we can study them. And we can examine them. And we can pray over them. And we can trust in them. That God is going to do what he said he was going to do. I make a big deal week after week. That the greatest thing you could do on a daily basis. Is to read the word of God for yourself. Why do I say that? Because God has so many promises for you. There is no strong Christians who are not strong in the word of God. I'm sorry, it can't happen. You have to have the God's word. You can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are. You need this word. This is God's promises to us. And God has so much he wants to do for us. There's so much he promised for us. There's so much we get to look forward to. You see, Christian, the faith life is the simple life. It's just believing that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Not just in the future, but day by day. You can trust in him each passing moment. Day by day. You can look and believe in it. So just let me ask you, dear friend. How is your faith right now? How is your examining? Someone will say, well, how can I get more faith? Well, I'm glad you asked that. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10 and verse 17, faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you find yourself lacking in faith, you know what you need? More of the word of God. More of the word of God. More of the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Take out by the hearing, that's the middleman. Faith cometh by the word of God. You need the word of God. If you're going to live by faith, you live by the word of God. If you're going to collect on God's promises, you need the word of God. If you're going to trust in him more, you need the word of God. Can you trust him? Can you depend on him? I'm just trying to give you an encouraging message tonight, dear friend. God will keep his word. Can you trust him? Can you walk with him each moment? Living by faith. Knowing there's a God who's going to keep his word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.